We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your February 16th edition. It's Thursday. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We're happy you're here joining us. Got a good podcast here, I think. I hope. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk about more free agency priming stuff, which is obviously a thing I want to do to get everybody ready for all the names that happened in the middle of March, because I think it's going to be prevalent that if you hear the Browns sign somebody, you at least have a basis of this player being on the market. And then, you know, we'll also be talking about draft stuff in the next two weeks and certainly get on between uh, Dane Brugler and some others, some great guests leading up into the combine where we do get some important chunks of information that I think will matter. And and obviously we're continuing to do the daily mock drafts, put that up today. Uh, I'm actually writing one for you guys now that will be up for your Thursday. That is based on Jack Duffin's uh, if the Browns traded Nick Chubb type of situation where what's, this is what the return would look like. We made some more trades, and you'd be surprised how many picks we could get in one draft and push a couple off into 2024, where they will still be down a first-round pick. So consuming that every day is something you should be doing because there's a lot of uh, situations out there that you can understand and a lot of draft names that we're all trying to learn together and figure out who's going to fit in Cleveland when this thing turns around in a couple months. Anyway, today we have a special guest. We haven't heard from him in a while. He's been a busy man. we got Jordan Zern back in, Sporting News. Jordan was at the Super Bowl. What's up, buddy? How are you? What's up, dude? Yeah, I've emerged from I've emerged from the darkness to return to you know play feels like home your podcast. So uh, good to be here, man. Good to chat with you. It feels like it's been a hundred years, um, and it has probably been like two months. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a long time. So uh, we're here. It's good to touch base. We we listen. I want to hear your Super Bowl experience. Like you guys go out there. What are you doing? You, you radio rowing it? Like are you doing like just sporting news? Throw some parties. How how does that work for you guys? Yeah, unfortunately, no sporting news party this year. You know, hopefully next year we have a party and I can invite all of my favorite, um, all of my favorite Cleveland artists. Like, you know, we'll get, um, I'll tell Kid Cudi we're having one. You know, my, my mm. good friend Machine Gun Kelly will come. Um, chip the oh, River, tough times, you know? him, him, and, uh, him and Megan Fox on the out. Yeah, you hate to see it, but also for me personally living in Los Angeles, like maybe now's my chance. So I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. like furious. Yeah. Um, 
No. So we basically, I mean, yeah, it was a, a myriad of things. I mean, it's chaos. Like during that week, we had a setup on radio row. Um, but truly there was like, we didn't have, I, I'm hoping, you know, we're still a, a bit of a small outfit at sporting news. So I'm hoping next year we have a bit more of a setup and, and some like big interviews kind of set up. Um, we were there to mostly just kind of observe and do a little networking and, and stuff like that. I did uh, see David and Joku walking around in a like pink fur coat with no shirt on underneath and a giant chain, um, which is like, I love, like, absolutely, man. That is an incredible fit that anyone else on the planet could probably not pull off. But he was just like casually walking around Radio Row in this outfit. So uh, so that was the highlight really of my Tama and Radio Row. Um, the, uh, the best thing we got to do was we went, um, we were on the red carpet for ahead of NFL honors where they obviously gave out um, all mm. the uh, MVP and offensive player of the year, all that stuff. Um, and so we got to like athletes would come by um, and we would get to like kind of uh, they'd stop. And if they felt like talking, they would uh, they would chat with us. So we uh, we got some content out of that for Sporting News Social, which was great. Um, and then one of my colleagues got to go to the actual Super Bowl game. Um, she also works for uh, the NFL too, like doing uh, video content and stuff. So she had a really great spot at the uh, at the Super Bowl. Um, she got a great video of uh, Jason Kelsey watching Travis um, accept the trophy sort of after the game, which is a really touching moment. And that did uh, really crazy numbers for us, that video. So like, yeah, so it was fun. I mean, it, it's a thing of like you're bopping around. There's event, all these events going on from like events. You're like, yeah, I would love to go to that. Like, uh, you know, Gronk has like a beach bash, um, which I did not attend because I flew out before that happened. But uh all the way down to like Cardi B performing and there and her rep or like whatever, like begging people to come to the red carpet because nobody actually knows that it's, that it's happening. So it's, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's a wild experience. You see some wild people. Um, you see all, like all these media people in radio row that you've heard of before, you know, a little bit, it's just a, yeah, it's a lot of people packed into one space. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was a good time, but it was a whirlwind trip. Was it your first one or have you been out there multiple for, for different Super Bowls? I have been to, I think, one other Super Bowl that was in New Orleans. This was a while. This was like my first job out of school. Um, so this was probably like 2013 or 2014. I believe it was the, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Niners-Ravens Super Bowl, I think. Um, I think Ooh. that checks out. That was in New Orleans, yeah. Um, it was in New Orleans. Lost yeah, power. so lost power, yep. Um, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Joe Flacco, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, Super Bowl champ. Yeah, so I went to one of those. So I had a little bit of experience, but um, yeah, I mean, just like navigating it, you know, it's just like a. I had an Airbnb and you're just like Ubering. I, th- I think I took like 30 Ubers. You're just like Ubering back and forth to downtown to – a hotel to all these different places. So by the end of it, you're just like people that do it. I ran into a couple people that um, some other media people that like, you know, they, they do the pro bowl and then they go right from the pro bowl to super bowl stuff. And they just look like they were, their bender was ending, you know, like they are just like, <laughs> get me, yeah. get me home. Um, so it's, it's both fun and very exhausting at the same time, but like very cool to be there. I mean, I hadn't spent a lot of time in Phoenix, um, so it was cool to like, you know, be downtown and see the city a little bit. Um, so yeah, man, it was good. Yeah. I had a small taste of that, that crammed in 30 Uber 
like small. Sp- I went to the to the draft out in Vegas last year, and that was oh, like yeah. just you could you couldn't walk anywhere. But it's like okay, it's just a block away. Trying to navigate all these different places that the people are, and it was. I can imagine Arizona is the same way. Super Bowl times on. I saw something like two hundred private planes were flying yes. out of Arizona. Yeah, it's like man, that is. Uh, I don't know how long this earth is going to last, but um, <laughs> it's not going to make it longer. Also next year, I mean, if they keep the Pro Bowl in Vegas, it's going to be Pro Bowl, Super Bowl back to back in Las Vegas. Oh and that Lord. is just, I mean, people are not going to make it, you know, <laughs> like people are not going to make it. No, just be prepared two weeks to lose. Yeah. You were going to lose some people. You're just going to have to accept that. So uh, looking forward for the to cause. Yeah. For the cause. For Did the you cause get any content. special? Um, yes, exactly. Did you get any special? Um, you know, anything from the Kelsey brothers? Obviously, with your connection to, to Heights and all of that. I mean, I know. I don't. It was a pretty tame week. I, there wasn't really it any. Was a tame fantastic week. quote. Like there wasn't. I mean, he's like Andy Reid talking about macaroni a little bit, but like I feel like it was. And this isn't always a bad thing. I mean, you you want it to be focused on the game, but it was just like one of the more boring media availability things throughout the, the the two week stretch there so i didn't know if you got to to yuck it up with the kelsey guys at all about any of that stuff or if they're just i mean they're the media darlings right now so they might yeah. be too busy no i mean i didn't have a chance to link up with them i uh one of my coworkers uh was at but the media availabilities during the their week um and like there's just so many people there and it's also like i think what's unfortunate like obviously the story of them being brothers and their parents being there, like, that's great. But because it's just like this week long of just media, like that story just gets run into the ground. And so it's just like over and over again, these questions for, for the Kelsey brothers about what it's like, the questions for Donna, who I think like their mother that who probably did a, a billion interviews during, during the week that she was in Phoenix. So like, we, uh, yeah, it's hard to, at that point, it's difficult to, one, even get a question in because there's so many media people at these media availabilities. And two, it's just like, man, I, at this point, like the storylines are so just like pounded over the head. So, um, no, but I mean, a really cool moment for them. I don't know if you saw that they're on their podcast today. They had a super great. emotional moment, man, like just like how cool it was for their parents to be able to be like the center of attention like that for a week and like be star, like national stars. It is when you think about like where we're from in like Cleveland, you know, Cleveland Heights, a small little neighborhood. And for them to be on national television all week, both, you know, Jason Travis will go to the hall of fame. Like they're both have a super bowl. Travis has two now. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable, man. So, so that was really cool. Um, if you haven't seen that podcast clip, it's everywhere, uh, but they get super emotional about about their mom. So you may tear up a little bit. It was getting a little dusty in this apartment watching it, but uh, <laughs> but I, it was just, it was really cool. I think if you're from Cleveland in general, uh, just really cool to see them be like, you know, front and center on a national stage like that. So, I, I mean, obviously Jason, or sorry, Travis is going to, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy story of like, this guy's going to end up being the best tight end to ever play. Wow, so man. funny when you hear Travis talk about the story of when Andy Reid called Jason and asked him, hey, is he going to fuck this up? Yeah. And draft him. So yeah. funny. But like then I didn't realize because I was like, I thought, you know, I was like, I think Jason won that 18 Super Bowl. He was a part of that team. And that dude's been a five time first team all pro. Oh, like it's insane. He's going to like not many centers make the Hall of Fame. He's going to make the Hall of Fame. And it's like. Oh, hey, my son is one of the top five centers to ever play the game, and the other one's probably the best tight end to ever play football, and they're both in the Hall of Fame. It's nuts. And people thought thought Jason was 
was cooked like that. I, he had a, I believe he had like a serious knee injury. And when he came back, like there was talk of like, Oh, he's going to play one more year and retire. And people were like, Oh, he may not be able to move like he used to. And he's just, he just like was immediately big, awesome again. And they're right back in the Super Bowl. So yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty wild. It's really wild. We're going to take our first break, come back and we're going to talk a little bit about one popular, I try to find a popular topic that comes up. We, we know this is the, there are two stretches of time, Jordan, that they're they're like there's no content. It's it's around the Super Bowl and after it, especially I mean, obviously if your team's not in it, leading up to the combine and then free agency. But then it's like, uh, you know, right after the draft in that June July area, and we're oh, in the yeah. middle of one right now. So I'm latching on to whatever we can talk about because I do think some it seems like every day some goofiness comes up. So we'll take a break and then we'll come back with tomorrow. I guess we'll come back and talk about today's goofiness. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so popular topic I saw uh, on, the, on the social medias, okay, on the line is this uh, this idea that the Browns preferred actually, if they could have chosen the route here, um, they would have actually preferred to not have Deshaun Watson this year once it went to 11 games. And to me, I can see the angle people come up with that, right? Like I can see why you would say that. The contract doesn't toll. You get some more rollover cap going into the next year. Really, it's the rollover cap. I don't know why people care about the contract kicking down the road. Unless a quarterback is terrible, uh, in which, you know, we're not in a great position with that. He needs to play better. <laughs> Unless a quarterback is terrible, like, he's not leaving. He's just going to keep re-signing bigger deals here and continue to make more money. So I don't really know why people care about that. Now, the rollover I can get, but when the when the suspension went from 6 to 11, I find it crazy to think that when we all looked at the schedule, the first four games are like, that's four wins. That should be four wins. And, you know, it didn't happen the way we thought it would happen. The defense was actually terrible. The offense was good. We didn't expect that. But I think everybody thought, and again, I don't want you to just agree with me. You can totally disagree here. 
But when you looked at this situation, those 11 games without Deshaun, I think everybody thought if you can get to five or six wins, like you, you know, you have that rough middle, you have the, this easy beginning, a rough middle, and then a, a nice setup with division games and winnable games at the end of the year where you get Deshaun back. Like, I think everybody thought they could do this. Like, I think everybody was, for the most part, people were, you know, you don't want to lose them for 11 games. I get that. But like, to me, I don't think the Browns would have preferred he was out. Like, you could tell me that, hey, Deshaun can play six – like, he can play the final six and you win six. You 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 want that. Like, I just don't – I don't really know why the Browns would prefer him to not play in these games at the end of the year. I mean, there's the rust factor stuff. I want to get that off and, you know, can, like, get him some experience with, with Stefanski. And I think all of that is great. But I'm talking, like, if the, the, the people who were saying they would have preferred him to not play those six games – it's largely because you saw him play six games and not be as good as you thought he would be, and it would have just have been nice to have just wipe those out. That's very much hindsight stuff to me. Before the year, even though it went to 11, I think a lot of us saw a path where they could get to five or six wins. So, I mean, if they had, the first four had gone right, which if you look at the Atlanta game and the Jets game, they very damn well should have been four wins. You're talking about a way to six or seven and then getting Deshaun back, and I think if you would have said, hey, Here's the scenario for you, Andrew Barry, and people that make decisions in Cleveland. You can be at six, five or six wins and get Deshaun back for the final six, or you could just not get them all at all for the year. What do you take? I have a hard time thinking they would have said we prefer to just not have them at all this year. I really think that's goofy. I don't think that they would have thought that way at all, but that's just me. Do you do you see it differently? I don't really see it differently. I think you and I touched on this during the year uh, before Deshaun came back when when the Browns said whatever, when they were like had a winning record and they were still playing pretty well. Like, I, I think the only scenario where maybe they would have thought that would have been like, if the Browns lost like one game, you know, one game, they were like, you know, 10 and one or something or nine and one or whatever it would be when Deshaun came back. And like the offense was clicking at a level, you know, they, like you mentioned, like their offense was, was pretty good for most of the season with Jacoby. Um, had it been at that level where it was like, like, okay, we could actually make the playoffs, you know, like we're no doubt making the playoffs. The offense is, um, you know, has, has found this rhythm that we don't want to disrupt. That would be the only scenario. But again, that's based on, um, you know, trying to flesh something out that you had no idea if it was going to be a reality. Uh, in fact, I think you would going into that season, like you said, they probably were like, okay, yeah, let's get to like six, seven wins. Um, as a best case scenario and then Deshaun comes back as the superior quarterback and we and we go from there I think I agree with you that like you can't use hindsight here and and say oh well you know we should have known Deshaun was going to be that rust I don't think anybody could have predicted the the type of rust that he had to shake off um, and the level of of what it's like to have to to get back and, and play a football game live action football game for the first time in almost two years so uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think like they always wanted to see, I think just what, like what Deshaun was and, and how they could begin to build the offense around him. I do think that like, I would have no doubt that like Stefanski, Barry, everybody was like, for the most part, the organization seemed aligned on like, okay, we're going to miss the playoffs 
but we need to have Deshaun finish these games because one, we can start to, we've got some film. We can see what we want to do with him. We can see, we can start to see what he's good at, what he's comfortable at, what he's not, and how we build that offense around him. And I think that's really important. I think it becomes even more important than when you did see how bad he was and how long it was going to take because now if you don't play him in any of those games and, and you're bringing him in and it's still just training camp and it's still preseason stuff and, and he comes out, I mean, are you punting on half a season again because he's that rusty and you have to take the first six, seven games of next year and you, and you dig yourself a hole. Um, so I, you know, there's a little bit of hindsight in that too, but I think that like it was always their plan to no matter what happened during the season you know, again, unless they had like gone undefeated or something and Jacoby has is like an MVP candidate. It's like, yeah, yeah I mean, that that was always going to be the play for for a multitude of reasons. And, and just to get him under center as your quarterback moving forward was, I think, a really, really important thing for them. Like you want him to take another 150 days away from exactly. NFL yep. football and not even that. It's like I just I just don't I just don't buy into the fact that they would prefer him to be away when the season started. I mean, again, you can go into it again. Like you can have any reaction after the season when it's already done. Like you can look back and pinpoint, Hey, they should have signed this guy or that. That's easy right now. Like that's what they want at this juncture, probably looking back. But I, I also just think that like another 150 days away would have not been good for him. It, he needed to see live NFL bullets again. He had to, and he didn't play well. To his standard, no, but I mean, but, but Jake, but like had, that game, play that game against the Texans was like not a a professional football game, <laughs> you know. Like the, he the, looked, the team they itself looked so bad, look good. Like, yes. yeah, the team no. downtrended with like Jacoby in that like Miami Buffalo territory, yep. and then even the Tampa game was pretty ugly, and they had to have a miracle in Joku catch to get it to overtime anyway. Like they were trending in the wrong direction offensively at that point anyway. So, yep. you know, like it carried over and Deshaun didn't make things any better, but I don't, I just, at this point, I, I cannot even, even with like, Hey, we could have taken some rollover money in and that would have been great. I, I get that angle, but the, you got to put you, you spend it all on this dude. You got to really, you got to get behind it right. The moment you can get behind it. And I just think yeah. that like, Hey, Deshaun, we actually prefer you to not play this year. And, we requested the NFL make that suspension a year instead of 11. I think he would have been like, yo, F you, man. Like what? You know? Yeah. So I just, I, I can't align with that. No, I, I agree. And I, I think, I think the reps that Deshaun got and the, um, you know, the reps with Stefanski, like calling plays, different game situations, like even just a six games of being able to do that is going to be invaluable going into, you know, the, um, uh, training camp and, and preseason and next season like you you have a little bit of runway that you've started on and had you not and had you just yeah like you said had the 150 days gone by without any of this like I just think that would have just made it even harder to get Deshaun up to speed by week one you know of this upcoming season had you not done that and I just don't think the Browns don't have that the luxury of that time you know, for, for as frustrated mm -hmm. as everybody was about this season and wanting coaches fired and, and all this stuff. I mean, can you imagine if they, this season, say they still, they didn't play Deshaun at all, but they still don't make the playoffs because like you said, they were really trending in a not great direction towards that back half of the season. So they missed the playoffs. And then you're trying to get Deshaun up to speed for half a season. And, 
you know, just imagine the chatter around <laughs> around the Stefanski, the front office, all of that, if, if he looked as bad as he did, um, you know, in this first week of the season. So I just think, yeah, like you said, there was just really no reality in, in that in any way that they were going to not play him for those six games. Okay. I think we hit the topic pretty well there. I, I, again, I can argue if someone wants to come on and argue the other side of it, like I just, I just don't see the benefit to, to, to that extreme, like above every single other thing. I think a guy not playing since 2020, then waiting to be back in live action in 2023. I, I don't know, man, that's a lot. That's a, that would be, an, that would be an unparalleled break from the sport. And we, we, he pushed it as is like, we were trying to find those comparisons, the Manning neck injury and many other things like he was already pushing the threshold. So yeah, he played bad and I get that. Now you look at it and say, well, it'd be nice to have that roll over. And I just don't think that's rooted in reality, especially not rooted in the reality of when it happened. And the people are like, well, this is what the NFL did to punish them. Well, that's fine. You know, they were going to extend the suspension no matter what, but you know, and don't tell me the NFL the NFL could have done whatever they wanted. They wanted to suspend him a year. They could have. They they could have. Yeah. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. So like, if they wanted to suspend him a year, they could have done it. Yeah. So like, it, it, their preference for eleven games, we're going to screw the Browns' season up. The Browns didn't get eliminated until the New Orleans game. Like they were still fringing into the playoffs. And again, if the couple of those coin flip games go differently early in the year, they're a real playoff contender. Like so, don't. I just don't think it's as like the NFL, man, they really tried to screw him. It was a lost season right away. The moment it went to 11 games, I just don't buy that. I think that's bullshit. I don't think it was a lost season until they lost the season because there were frameworks of that schedule that should have went the right direction that they, they, you know, again, that early portion of the schedule. Um, but, but again, I don't know. We're hitting a dead horse here, but I just have seen that take and I didn't agree with it. We're going to take our last break, come back and we're going to talk Ted ends, which I know, you're all craving some tight end jargon, free agent market. We'll be right back. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here's how I'm going to frame this, Jordan. Do you think the Browns need to even remotely care about tight end this offseason? Because, you know, they signed David. They have Bryant. They have preferred to play bigger bodies. I prefer they go more 11 personnel. There are some people who believe they should go higher into the 12 personnel, um, you know, using more 12 and then getting even another tight end, drafting one early to be a flexible, almost San Francisco-like type of setup with Juice Check and Kittle. Like, that is a floated idea. But I don't know, man. I, I'm curious if you think, because, they again, they used an extra offensive lineman more than anyone in the league this year to get yeah. away from 13 personnel to use more linemen. But I have to think, that these guys are going to be going into more spreading the field and, and, and away from heavier condensed formations and situations. And that's why I lean away from going crazy, whether that's in the draft or free agency at tight end, but that's just me. I don't know 
if you get the same vibe because again i i've heard i've seen some logical logical like relatively logical arguments for somebody like a darnell washington at 42 but i just don't think with deshaun watson that's serving the best purpose for what his skill set is man yeah i i'm with you i mean listen this is the sexiest segment we've ever done talking tight ends oh, like this yeah, is man. you know this is this is that late night you know the kids are in bed and you're listening to jordan jake tight, talk tight end so let's just get that out of the way um no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I was just, th- as you were talking, I was just thinking through the play, the teams that were in the playoffs um, just now in the NFL. And specifically, you know, you just look at like those teams and now there's, there's obviously different ways to build a team and there's different ways to have a successful offense. And we obviously saw the Browns in, in year one of, of Stefanski have a very, very successful offense running 12 personnel and 13 personnel occasionally, like, so we've seen it, but like, you just look at like, I mean, I don't even, Travis Kelsey is a giant receiver, you know? So you, you look at the chiefs and they obviously have some other guys like Noah Gray, but those are also just, they don't use those secondary tight ends all that often. Um, They really have one primary, very good tight end. And um, you know, you look at, I mean, I, I, I suppose the Eagles are a different, a different type of team in that they, you know, they run the ball a ton, but even like, I mean, Dallas Goddard's the guy there, you know, like that's the guy that's making the difference from an offensive standpoint. Um, you even look at like Jacksonville and, and Evan Ingram and like that guy's a, that guy's basically a receiver, you know, and he had a huge sort of rebirth there with them, but then, you know, they're, they're relying on, um, you know, Etienne out of the backfield and Christian Kirk had a great year for them. So like, I think about some of these teams that are like in the playoffs, again, the bills with it's just Dawson Knox. And, you know, he isn't even that huge of a contributor there anymore, but like, he's the one tight end that makes most of the plays. And I feel like if you look at the Browns and it's like, okay, I I agree with you. I think Deshaun's skill set is spreading guys out, uh, pushing the ball downfield. I think to an extent, the, the book was out a little bit on the Browns and sort of some of the stuff they were running out of those 12 personnel, 13 personnel stuff. And I, I think there need to be like we, you and I talked about this on a, on a previous pod and, and you've covered this just about what, it, you know, how the Browns can sort of change their offense to better fit Deshaun's skill set. And then I think you look at like what David and Joku did this past season. And, and this is also something we've touched on in the past pods and his growth. And, and he's kind of become a guy that you feel like you can really rely on. And like, you talk about that catch in that Buccaneers game, absolutely an insane catch on fourth down to send it to overtime. Like he makes plays and has gotten to a point where you feel like cons- he's consistently talented enough that like, sure, if you want to have a blocking tight end, or if you want to bring in, you know, Harrison Bryant to, to run, you know, run routes on certain packages, that that's all well and good. I just don't think outside of that, it really needs to be that big of a focus because you're hopefully upgrading the receiver position. And then you're, you hopefully have David and Joku be a really big part of this offense moving forward. And you just, I just don't really think they need to spend real capital, whether it's free agency or, or in the draft otherwise um, to kind of upgrade that position. So I, I, I just find it interesting if you look at the teams who are having success right now, outside of maybe the Eagles who run a very specific type of offense because of the quarterback that they have, um, you know, it, it really is kind of the, the one uber talented tight end who is also just kind of a receiver. Um, and I think the Browns have a guy that can be that. And Joku is athletically can be kind of just a receiver. So um, yeah, I, I kind of uh, align with like the tight ends don't quite matter to this offense, maybe as much as they needed to in the past. Yeah, it's well said. And, and, 
you have Brian, who's again on a rookie contract that that obviously still matters. The guys they had floated on the roster. Jesse James was around for a minute, got hurt, and um, went on IR. Farrell Brown was sort of the third tight end when they did get a third tight end uh, around the situation. They had a practice squad, Zaire Mitchell Payton. Um, he was around there, but like they didn't really have a third tight end, which to me, I don't really want them to anymore. I don't, yeah. I just don't, I don't want it. I mean, here's who's on the market. Um, and it's bleak, man. Like uh, Austin it's, Hooper it's is on the great. market again. Yeah, yeah man. If you want to, if you want to return down Austin Hooper alley, uh, these are guys <laughs> that, that we at the OBR deemed unrealistic. Hooper, Dalton Schultz, who I think Dalton Schultz put on display in that playoff game, who Dalton Schultz is. Um, you know, a lot of teams could benefit from Dalton Schultz. I just don't have an interest in him here. Uh, Evan Ingram, who's resurrecting his career, is not leaving Jacksonville. Hayden Hurst, um, you know, getting older now in Cincinnati. He was a reminder, Hayden Hurst selected before by the same team that drafted Lamar Jackson. Uh, the 24-year-old tight end was <laughs> selected by the Ravens in the first round. Uh, Foster Moreau with the Raiders. Jacecki is sort of interesting because he's more receiver than anything else. Yep. And I could get interested in that in the right cheap price. $11 million is the projection from Pro Football Focus, so I'm, I'm out at that number. Robert Tanyan with the Packers. Who knows what... Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, with the four-day darkness uh, spell casting of Aaron Rodgers. We'll see. Yeah, in a, That's in a cave somewhere that. with no electricity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Irv Smith um, is probably phased himself out of Minnesota because they went out and traded for Hawkinson. So that's actually an interesting one that could be a buy cheap if you prefer a better player than Bryant. But as far as real options – and I and Jack Duffin did a great job writing this up, and I think he put in there every player related to any Texans time at all. But Jordan Aikens is one. Uh, yeah. Michael Pruitt is another one um, that has been connected to the Texans before. Josh Oliver, formerly with the Ravens, expiring rookie contract. O.J. Howard trying to resurrect his career. is again, just with the Texans. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, obviously connected to Stefanski from his days back with Minnesota, formerly just finished up with the Buccaneers this past year. Other third tight end options that are kind of out there. Again, Farrell Brown, you could re-sign him. Eric Sauber with the Broncos. Tyler Croft with the 49ers, who infamously gave up the Hassan Reddick sack that tore the UCL of Brock Purdy. Uh, Trevon Wesco with the Bears. Anthony Ferkser with the Falcons. Max Williams with the Cardinals. Steven Anderson. Uh, Richard Rogers with the Chargers. Drew Sample was a depth Bengals tight end. Adam Shaheen, Sunbury's finest with the Dolphins. Interesting character, Adam Shaheen. Um, here's who we said to avoid. Jeff Swaim, Zach Gentry, Mercedes Lewis. Shout out Mercedes Lewis in like year I can't 25. Believe he's, yeah, I can't believe he's still playing. That's insane. It's amazing. Chris Manhurts with the Jags. Eric Tomlinson with the Broncos. Nick Vanette, former Buckeye. Just a body. Jesse James type. Ryan Griffin with the Bears. Dan Arnold with the Jags. Ross Dwelly, the 49ers. Tom Sweeney, Blake Bell, Jesse James obviously is on that list too. Um, boy, this is not a great group. We talk about it's, how it's bad the great. wide receiver group is. This is bad. I mean, if they wanted a blocking type, there are plenty of blocking types. You know, Dwelly's a blocking type. They want a third guy who they can just have around. Me personally, I've had a lot of fun with some late tight ends in the in the in the um, draft structure here. We're like one ninety and two thirty one have been like, could you go get 
you know, last year it was like, we, I loved Chigo Okonkwo, the, the kid from, from Maryland who is stellar with the Titans mid round pick, you know, the, um, the, the Hayward brother, Connor Hayward, um, yeah. Michigan state kid comes out late and I thought he was so good for Pittsburgh at the end of the year. I would prefer to get somebody in the draft because I don't want to give up any money to tight ends, you know, the, for a year or whatever, like use that rollover stuff, whatever, whatever. I would just prefer to get a rookie contract type guy or even a, a, a higher aged UDFA player who I can develop at that position um, and challenge Harrison Bryant. But yeah, like I'm looking at, you know, guys who can play that sort of H back, right. That slot or tight wing position and do some fun and creative stuff and block there and fight and let David get out on routes. But I'm not, I'm not spending money on, a name for a player like that. I'm certainly not going and drafting a Darnell Washington type there, or a, you know, like a, I don't know who else, Tyler Croft, or sorry, um, the kid from from Utah, Dalton Kincaid is like a higher looking tight end. There's some guys that will float around early, but I just sort of want a, a very specific type of player there to be a third tight end, and that you can get sort of funky creative with the alignment and usage stuff. That's all I have. I don't really have a desire to have them sign someone at this position, but I'm open to it. If you think they should. Uh, I mean, no, I'm, I'm sort of with you again. Like I, I guess if there is a strong desire for what Stefanski still wants to do and have the option to do with a, with a blocking tight end or a sort of unbalanced line with certain stuff like that's all well and good. I just don't think to your point, like yet to like spend actual money. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem like the most prudent thing. I just don't think that the usage is going to be worth it. Um, so no, I, I'm sort of right there with you. Also, I meant to, I meant to add that Dan Arnold makes me think the only reason I really know Dan Arnold is because when he was, when he was with the Jets, and Sam Darnold was their quarterback. Everybody just wanted Sam Darnold to to Dan Arnold. So I just wanted to yeah point that oh, out. Yeah, so. I forgot about Sam Darnold yeah, to Dan Arnold. It didn't it didn't last long. The pairing didn't last long, but um, you know there was a lot of fun in training camp uh, with uh, can't wait for Sam Darnold to Dan Arnold. Um, and that's <laughs> I all I have. Think of that. <laughs> that's all. That's I got. a great contribution. There's not really <laughs> much to talk about here. We gave you names. No. They could sign a name. They will not sign somebody at this position that matters. I'll tell you that much. And they shouldn't, you know, at the worst you draft a guy in the mid to late. You like my earliest tight end preference is like, if they love a guy at 142, they go 142, 144, 190. Like that's it. Like that's the yeah. spot for me. If, if at all. So uh, I hope they don't invest in this and, and any, if they don't invest in it and they go late in the draft, that's an indication to me that, that this offense will be moving in a place structurally schematically that I think is best for Deshaun Watson. So hopefully we get that Jordan. Listen, man, it's been fun. It's been good to reconnect. We missed you on the show. We will try to get with you in March as we have here in February, but you're a busy guy, a lot going on. We appreciate your time, man. Jake, thanks for having me. It always feels nice to, to come home to, to a place uh, that you're familiar with that feels right. So thanks for having me on. Uh, we'll look forward to coming on in March. Um, you know, we got, we got pitchers and catchers reporting, you know, we got, we only have like 20 some games left in the NBA season, some, some playoff action with the Cavs. So, you know, it's, uh, things are, things are percolating. We'll get out of this little dead period and we'll be on our way soon enough. Cavs frustrating tonight. 
Should have should have played better early. Yeah, they. I don't know if they went out last night at Philly. Uh, like I've never been to Philly. I don't know any of their establishments. I only know Patty's Pub. Um, you know, I just don't know what they were doing. But they came out. That the drinks game were good. Looking, the drinks. The were drinks good. were being poured heavily because that first half was. Uh, it was not. Uh, wouldn't win a beauty pageant, Jake. I'll tell you that. So it was. Uh, but they all. You know they. I'll give them credit. They had a great second half. They almost came all the way back, and for being down twenty eight. That's you know I'm I'm happy that they at least showed some life, but yeah, that first half was uh, was a bummer. I'm not ready for an Embiid Harden series. I don't want to, like those guys are infuriating. Uh, They're so infuriating. Embiid's whistle is like it's otherworldly. The way this guy gets called the first quarter, I don't care if you guys shut off the pot if you don't care about this stuff. <laughs> Much respect, but I want to hit it up with Jordan here in case you're a Cavs or Cleveland guy. Most of you who listen are Cleveland people, so if you're not, then shut us off. But like. This guy just will barrel into you, and there were like blatant first quarter. Just he he's he's bigger than you, stronger than you, is extending the arm. And they don't care. They're going to call it on you. And I don't know, man. That's that's just a tough matchup, and and it's also really a it's also really one that I'm just feeling. I feel like I'm just going to like bitch about them the whole time. If that yeah. makes sense. Oh, it would it would be games. a. It would be a one. I don't think it would be a great matchup for the Cavs in the playoffs, regardless, because of how big Embiid is. And I think you saw like Jared Allen and Evan, you know, they're, they are great. What they are not is um, that strong. So uh, mm-hmm. when you have them trying to, I mean, Jared Allen was getting tossed around like a rag doll by, by Joel Embiid, but you're, you're right. I think the 76ers are just maybe the most aesthetically unpleasing team to watch. I think, Joel Embiid, if I'm not mistaken, takes the second most free throw attempts per game after Giannis. And Harden has got to be top 10, you know, top 15, probably top 10. Like, I understand, especially with Embiid, he's going to get calls. But, like, man, it is not fun to watch a basketball game when one team is going to the line close to 30, 40 times a game. It's just not an enjoyable experience. And that's what you're going to get when you have these two on a team I will say it was fascinating to watch Harden. I haven't really watched a ton of the 76ers like super closely this year. It is fascinating to see how Harden has actually changed his game where he is so much more of a distributor now. And it's amazing how your belly. I can't tell. I can't tell. He's one of those guys where you're like, are you fat? And you just don't know, you know, you can never tell, but he has, he is so much more enjoyable to that concert. (laughs) That was, it was, that was basically the James Harden experience. We we're like, is that? Um, uh, yeah. What? Hold on. Uh, we'll just he, he turned uh, we'll around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's so much more enjoyable to watch when he's not just grifting for fouls. Uh, and it's almost like switched over to Embiid now, where like Harden's the one who's like dribbling into the paint, and he threw some incredible passes tonight. I'll give him credit. And you're like, oh right, like. He's a, he actually does some things that make him an enjoyable basketball player, and you sort of forgot about it. Um, but, man, yeah, the Embiid stuff. He, he uses that off arm. He, he, he puts his whole shoulder into you, and he, he just gets the calls because he is who he is. And it, It's going to make for a real – if they do play them in the playoffs for whatever reason, like that, that's not going to be an aesthetically enjoyable, <laughs> enjoyable series. No, and I got to say, you're, you're left-coasting it up now, so you don't have the sports gambling yet, but – I've done a lot of sports games. It's got me way back into the NBA. Like I haven't been in years because I have fun with these player props. Harden is so firmly entrenched on my do not bet this guy list. Every time I (laughs) bet him, he's terrible. 
And like, I can't tell you how many times I've said to my, I'm not betting that SOB ever again. Mm-hmm. And just tonight, what does he do? Just goes off and can't miss yep. in the first quarter. And yeah. it's just a, uh, I just can't, I don't know. Something about James Harden, man, just never really could get into the James Harden. No, experience. Like, Although you're right when he's distributing, he yes. is like, he's locked in distributing, doing those fun things. And not like you said, Griffin fouls. He's, pretty damn pleasing to watch like he can do yeah. some funky stuff that is fun uh if your team's not playing against them but yeah like Harden, man not not yeah. not a not a guy i want to see for seven games uh and certainly no. not Embiid, who is uh, just i mean you don't know he's stopped from this earth man i can i can just remember when Embiid came out of that draft with and i was like I've not seen a big man do some of the things he was doing at Kansas. And I know he got hurt and it took a while to get it going in the right direction, but my Lord, is that guy different? Like just, yeah. I mean, and it's also, it's also pretty unbelievable that he's stayed healthy. Like for the majority of time since now he's had some injuries here and there, um, but nothing major. I mean, that's why people were terrified to draft him because of his, his back at Kansas Mm -hmm. and like, he just, just been you know, healthy. He had the, straight he's been healthy for a while. He had the he had the foot thing for a little bit, but like he's been really reliable. You just don't see a guy that size. Um, you know, like you think about Greg Oden, like that dude's body just was never going to cooperate because of his size. And like Embiid is moves like a goddamn point guard. It's absurd. And he has stayed healthy. And it's yeah, I mean, he's you know, the foul stuff is frustrating, um, but he is really like watching him shoot the basketball, watching the way he moves is pretty unreal for, for a seven footer who weighs that much. So hopefully he continues to stay healthy because it is really like, yeah, it's otherworldly, man. We haven't connected. So we'll close with this. I'm watching this Pelicans Lakers game, which maybe you are as we're simultaneously doing this. And LeBron is just doing things at 38. That is just unfathomable. Like some of these runaway plays he makes, or he's just slashing and finishing thing. It's like, I've I had to refrain from a couple holy shits like on air here, but like he is still doing it, man. And when they're locked in and if him and, and Davis can play, like, I know LeBron's coming off of resting for a few days now, but like you kind of reminded of like, Oh, you know, these guys are pretty good when they're locked in and both healthy. That's kind of been, that's kind of been the issue. But like, I just kind of want to get your take on Braun breaking the record and you know, all that stuff, because it's a pretty special thing to watch, man. You just kind of think that, all the dudes that have played this round basketball game for decades and decades, the guy from Akron, Ohio is the most points scored. Yeah. It's um, I mean, I, I think I tweeted it, but like my, most of my basketball life, like has involved, like all of it involves LeBron. I mean, I really wasn't, I mean, I went to games with my dad, like pre LeBron and, and all that, but you know, he was, I was a freshman in high school when he got drafted. I, I really wasn't paying attention to basketball like that. Um, you know, like in middle school and elementary school. So, you know, when he got drafted, that was really when I was like really getting into to the Cavs. And um, I mean, most of my life has had LeBron in it. So it was, I mean, it was kind of emotional, man, seeing him, you know, break the scoring record just cause like he has been, if you are, from Cleveland or Ohio in general, and you were, you've been a Cavs fan since 2007 when they took him. like, or I'm sorry, 2003. Um, yeah. He's just like, he is basketball to me, you know, and he gave us so much like incredible memories in, in multiple stints in Cleveland. So yeah, it's just, I don't know, man, he's something else. Like he's, I, I have no way to predict like how long he'll play because he, his game, he's such a better shooter now. Like he's transitioned so seamlessly into being a guy that 
can just shoot <laughs> that like he's not gonna have to like once he loses his athleticism which he definitely like he definitely has a little bit like he he's not a guy that um can kind of bully his way to the rim 50 times a game anymore and you can kind of see that but like now he's pulling up for threes from the logo and stuff you know so he's he could probably play like it feels like for a, a, a really long time and like yeah just just really cool man i mean he's He's unreal. And it it's funny because like, you know, the Lakers made all these trades at the deadline and now they have like, you know, an actual competent team around him and what they're up on the Pelicans by almost 20 right now. And it's like, Hmm, uh, I don't, <laughs> I mean, good for the Lakers for making those moves, but it's like, it blows my mind that they went into the season with that roster and we're like, we're fine. <laughs> because it's like, really bad. It's bad. I mean, you put, it's not like they added superstars, man. They just added like D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, who can shoot Jared Vanderbilt, really good player, like really good glue guy. Like they just added competent players. And now all of a sudden, you know, game one with those guys in LeBron and they look like a totally different team. And it's just like, why didn't you guys do this at the beginning? It's just wild, man. But um, I wouldn't want to, if they like, you know, say they get in the play in, or they even like got the eight seed. I mean, it would not, I would not want to be, I think the Nuggets are in first place right now. A seven game series having to play LeBron and, and a healthy AD and the rest of that team. I mean, I just wouldn't, I didn't, I don't think they'd win, but I just, it's a, it's a bit of a scary prospect if they sort of like get it together and they end up as like the eight seed <laughs> and you have to have the Nuggets playing, you know, one of the, best players of all time two of the you know top 20 players in the nba and him and ad so um yeah it'll be really fascinating to see what happens he's he's somehow still i mean he's got these spurts of you, you got to go back you got to go back and like look at 2010 like 7 to 12 13 probably 7 to 13 is like holy shit that guy was moving at a different speed like there's oh, some, yeah. like three stride three quarter court type stuff, like just bananas player movement that I think we all get lost in the sauce a little with Giannis. And it's like, Hey, you got to remember that this guy, this guy was doing this at an even crazier level before him. And and it's just to your point, man, I was, I, I was laying next to my, my son wasn't feeling well. I was laying next to him in bed, watching it on my phone. And like, I got emotional too. And it's like, you can't help but think of, your journey watching him, right? Like you started, yeah. you mentioned your freshman year. Got dra- I, I remember in eighth grade, I mean, I cared about things like growing up, you know, I cared about elements of the NBA and and Michael. And, you know, you, you obviously like my memories of going to my first games are like high school game, watching our high school team play or whatever. That was like, I went to the Schottenstein center here in Columbus and watched him play Brookhaven. You know, I don't even know why my friends, wow. parents went, but I went with them and like, this this Brookhaven team had a kid named Drew Lavender who went to to Oklahoma, then back to Xavier and gave Ohio State fits in the tournament in like 07 area. But like, um, yeah, he was just a spectacle. And it's like my first memory is like I'm in eighth grade and this guy's like, you know, in eighth grade, I very specifically remember going yeah. to a playoff game and watching Justin Zwick for a comparison of like guys that were in high school at that time. Like it's 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 pretty unfathomable. And you do think like, man, where was my life when this started? And it does, I couldn't help but think to myself in a really selfish way. Like just imagine if he never left Cleveland, he just had stayed the entire time and broke this record in Cleveland. And like, you know, we all, I think most sane people 
you know, it, we, we are largely, I would hope people are as appreciative as they should be for everything you did for the organization and all of that. But, you know, you just wish uh, the thing I wished above it is like, man, it would have been great if this was just in Cleveland because we, we care about him more, man. Like the Lakers stuff is cool for him. And like, he's out in LA and he's doing his thing and he's a billionaire now. And they don't care for him the way we do. Like it just would have been, it would have been different, but it was still a great moment it, nonetheless. No, it would have been. And you know, it's out here. It's still so like, you know, Kobe is that oh, franchise yeah, to a day, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it, it, it was always an odd choice for me for him to go there just because the, the shadows of the people that have played for that franchise are so large, but um, you know, he's made his mark there and you know, he obviously got a championship there. Um, so, but yeah, it would have been really like imagining him in a Cavs uniform at home, breaking that record would have been on a, on another level. I, I hope that, you know, whatever happens, whether it's as a player or whether it's, you know, he retires and, and, and signs a one day contract with the Cavs, retires a cab and, you know, he, he gets involved with the organization or whatever, like when he's done playing, I, I hope that he's involved uh, in Cleveland and, and the Cavs, you know, uh, whether it's the, the end back end of final years of his career or, you know, as a, uh, as someone um, who's just involved with the team uh, when he's done playing. So, which I think he will, like, I think there will, that will be a reality. And I, and I, I look forward to whatever that, that is, whatever shape that takes. Me too, man. Very well said. Uh, if you're craving guardians content, uh, you're one of those folks who come to this film breakdown pod to hear, let's talk baseball. <laughs> we will get that to you. Um, you know, we'll get that to you. Hopefully maybe when we reconnect in March, right. You know, so hopefully we can do that. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it, man. I'm, I'm pretty ready for baseball season. So hopefully it, uh, Hopefully everything goes well. Anyway, Jordan, fun, man. A good pod. Appreciate your time, buddy. Seriously. Yeah, man. Anytime. All right. For Jordan, for me, thanks, guys, for stopping by. Appreciate it. Check out everything at the OBR. Check out Jordan's stuff at Sporting News, including all of their social content. Does a great job with it. One of the best doing it. Uh, like I said, uh, check out the mock drafts, free agency draft, all that stuff. And we will have the continual stuff throughout the end of the weekend and hopefully have another pod or two for you uh, before this weekend. I appreciate you guys for being here, stopping by, coming to the OBR Film Breakdown. Buy some merch, man. Got some merch up. I think it's great. You should you should buy some. That'd be uh, very appreciative if you do, because it helps the pod, helps me uh, make this a better podcast. So thanks, guys. Anyway, have a great have a great Thursday. Go Browns. When you make decisions for your company. You always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.